my friends. Welcome to Sex and Spirituality. I'm your host, Lauren Cluddy. Happy Tuesday. May or may not release this episode today. Kind of lost my flow for the show. (laughs) Didn't mean to rhyme there. But we'll see because next week I'm actually starting work. So I think I'll release one to two podcast episodes a week. I kind of made this my full-time gig the last 10 or so months because I have literally nothing going on being unemployed. I don't know. It's not fun for me, especially as a perfectionist and someone that gets a lot of their meaning out of their career and a seeker of knowledge and education. I'm always looking to gain more intelligence and information and working or not working kind of left me feeling useless. And I just hope that I find some fulfillment in my future endeavors. However, I have a lot to say this episode, so I'm going to kind of jump right into it. I was sent a listener question on can can you love someone and still hurt them? And I will be answering that at the end, kind of segue appropriately from another message I was sent by a listener. If you would like to reach out to me, I love hearing from you. Please never apologize. Um, Your messages mean the world to me to know that this is having an impact. But last week I was sent a message from a beautiful listener who is having, um, some struggles, some internal conflict, obviously, on her relationship with the narcissist. So I wanted to make an entire episode dedicated to leaving an abusive relationship um, with the narcissist, particularly, because I have been there and my heart just goes out to this listener and anyone who is going through this, because I have been through the depths of despair to hell and back leaving my abuser was the hardest thing that I've ever done in my entire life. And a narcissist especially will not want you to leave if they haven't stopped abusing you yet. Narcissists, as we know, if you've ever dived into the narcissist abuse community, you know that they depend on their supply. Uh, The people they emotionally, financially, and psychologically drain. They need someone to abuse and manipulate to fulfill their needs and to constantly prove to themselves that they are better, stronger, and smarter than everyone else. And through the love bombing, the gaslighting, and the constant battles, you're so fucking exhausted. So leaving an abusive relationship is hard, to say the least, but it is possible. I mean, I've done it. As long as you trust your gut and have firm boundaries and keep reminding yourself why you need to walk away. And I did not have kids. I was not married. I did not live with my abuser. So I know that I was privileged in this way because I cannot manage, I cannot imagine how tough it is with those external and internal factors going on all at once. So here is what I made a list to make sure that you can get out of the situation, a very dangerous situation, I will say. Uh, If you get anything from this, because I feel a lot of responsibility right now, and I want to broach this subject carefully, because of the assault and life-threatening 
results that leaving an abusive relationship could have. We know how many women per year die under the hand of leaving a domestic violence situation. So above everything else, please make sure you have a support network. If you have no friends or family, because sometimes abusers isolate us and make us lose everyone we love with their smear campaigns, please seek the help of a mental health professional. Whether it's a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a therapist, counselor, I went to a domestic violence center. So if you need to go to a shelter, make sure you have that safe person. Get that um, restraining order, refraining order, go to your local police precinct, do whatever you have to do to make sure that you are safe. That's above everything. So let's get into it because this is heavy. (laughs) And someone once asked me why my episodes don't come with a trigger warning. I will just say my entire episode, my entire podcast rather, is a trigger warning. All of my episodes talk about heavy, deep shit. So I don't put a trigger warning on every one of my episodes because my whole podcast should just be called trigger warning. So please listen carefully. Please proceed with caution and always practice self-care before, during, and after. Okay. So that being said, don't give them one more chance. (sighs) I've been there. It takes the average person seven times to leave an abusive relationship. If you leave them, and when you leave them, there's a 99% chance they will try and seduce you back so that (laughs) they can dump you, believe it or not, because everything needs to be on their terms. And if they're physically violent, there's no telling if they'll be even more violent with you. If the narcissist isn't ready for you to leave yet, they will probably turn on the waterworks and plead with you, telling you how sorry they are but you should not risk giving them another chance to hurt you again. You never know when in those seven times, like your nine lives will be gone, so to speak. Like, you know, so each time I went back to my abuser, I felt like I lost a decade of my life. I feel like in the, how many years was it? 2015 or 2017. In the two short years that I knew and dated this person, I felt like I aged a hundred years. And I feel like I am that much closer to getting a heart attack because of the stress psychologically and physically that that relationship put on my body. It's not worth giving them another chance. I say everyone deserves a second chance. No one deserves a third chance or more. Also, you should not tell the narcissist you want to end the relationship right away. Uh, This might seem counterintuitive, but... Toxic people will absolutely follow with one of two things. They will either start love bombing you to keep you emotionally trapped in the relationship through trauma bonding, or their behaviors will become even more poisonous and potentially damaging to your overall wellness, reputation, or physical safety, perhaps all three. So when leaving, this is an especially important point, Um, especially if you are living with an abuser, especially if you're living in a house with an abuser who you rely on financially, have all your documents and everything ready to go. Narcissists are very known to take your stuff away. So if you have a passport or a license or a wallet lying around the house, track that shit down. 
and at the very least try to locate everything photos um, your computer get a hold of everything you can bank details whatever everything official and either wait until they're out of the house or say you need this stuff to fill out an application or something you have to get all of the physical proof and everything that belongs to you spare cash if you're thinking about leaving set up your own bank account this might need to be done a little bit in advance but you definitely need your own money especially if they're a financial abuser you have to do this in secret so that they don't cut you off entirely that's why I said please get professional help someone a licensed clinician who has worked with and seen this you might have to report what's happened to you You may not feel you want to escalate the situation to the police, but it's very important to report what happened. If you don't want to get the legal system involved, talk to your doctor. When you go in, just make sure you say something like, I need your help, I've been abused, and I've been told to speak to my doctor. And even if your doctor isn't trained in domestic violence, a lot of them should have an idea about what to do. And they might give you a referral to an anxiety service or depression or PTSD support group. This all helps in case you want to make a case in the future. So if you're living with your abuser, you have to log out of everything, delete browser history, get rid of any evidence of where they can track down what you're doing. So make a list of everything you've signed into or set up any auto files on and delete them all. We have to start setting boundaries, big and small. And I know this is a little scary, but check your devices for trackers. Figure out if there's a tracker on your phone, on your car. And my counselor, because I did a questionnaire score of how... Uh, much in danger I was, how much of a threat my abuser was to my life, right? And it was like a homicide scale, and I scored the highest on my risk of being murdered, which I know sex and spirituality, all fun, but it's not fun today. Um, So that was really scary. So I was told that if a car is ever following me, whether it be my ex at the time or someone else that follows me always drive to your local police precinct okay that's probably the safest place you could go if you feel you are being followed now logistics out of the way let's talk relationship dynamics don't believe their flattery narcissists and abusers try and use their extreme flattery because let's all face it when we first met our perpetrator they were fucking charming as hell like probably the most chemistry and like charismatic person we've ever met i know that's the case for me i've never had sparks more than with my abuser and that's so scary because of how much of an actor and wolf in sheep's clothing they are they try to use this this vagueness to keep you from leaving because the ultimate goal is to create an environment where the target of the abuse feels they don't have a choice in leaving because the relationship has suddenly become everything they wanted or they're too worn out and fearful to leave. But always remember, and I would say this to my 22 year old self, I felt like I had no choice, but you do have a choice. 
you're just brainwashed right now and things can be better and you deserve someone who doesn't fuck with your emotions. So while doing all this, reconnect with your support group. They will get you through so much. An abusive person wants to cut you off from your family and friends. So you might have not seen some of the people that mean most to you and you're closest to for a long time. The narcissist might have turned you against them by spreading lies because they didn't want you spending time with anyone else. My abuser did this to me. He wanted me to fucking drop out of college and I did because he wanted to spend more time together. He would go through my phone and make sure to delete people's contacts who I was periodically or frequently texting with. And he used to spread nasty rumors and gossip about me to his friends and family so that you know, I couldn't turn to them for advice or support. But the important thing to remember is not to be embarrassed and scared of how they'll react to seeing you again. So swallow your pride. A lot of people think they, they're stupid or they've been conditioned to think that no one will believe them. It takes a simple mind shift to realize it doesn't mean you're stupid. It means you were tricked and anybody can get tricked. You'll be surprised at how many people might have suspected and maybe how much they may have wanted to help, but they didn't know how to. And at the same time, a lot of people won't be supportive or they'll shame you or guilt you or make you feel humiliated even more. So take this as an opportunity to cut out anyone else who is toxic because not everyone will understand. Some people will be assholes. They'll say things like, I knew it. Why didn't you leave? It couldn't be that bad if you stayed in the relationship. I was told that many times. So this is an opportunity to do a fucking detox and cleanse that we so desperately need. Because you don't need that unhealthy negative energy, right? Victim blaming? Mm -mm. We don't have time for that. The most importantly, you can leave, but you have to stay away. (laughs) When you leave, I promise you'll be so tempted to go back when reality sets in. Breaking up with my abuser felt like I was detoxing from heroin or something. Like I had withdrawals, emotional, physical withdrawals. It's quite literally an addiction. Our brains are good at making us remember all the good times. (laughs) Cognitive dissonance, right? And blocking out all the bad after a breakup. And leaving a narcissist is no different. Think of just how hard it is to do a regular breakup. It's so uncomfortable and awkward. But add all the dysfunctional dynamics and the um, trauma bonding on top of that. So it's not just about leaving. That, that's not easy, but it's easier than staying gone. You have to delete and block their phone number or get a new phone number. You have to be aware that all the good times you've had with them that made you convinced of their potential wasn't real. And this is so challenging because that hurts. The problem is that I don't believe at least that anyone's 100% bad, but a narcissist is so good at pretending to be good. So ignore the sob stories. They will tear at your heartstrings to try and get you to stay. They'll say, I'm sorry. They'll pop up on your birthday, send you flowers. They'll say, I miss you. 
be aware that they're manipulating you. They'll, they'll use your history together to try and get you to come back in. So don't fall for their drama triangle, which is where someone flips between being a savior, I'm going to save you, and a persecutor, you're worthless, no one will ever love you, and a victim, I need you to support me, without you I'm dead. My ex threatened to kill himself when I left him. But you know what? I had to choose myself because it was either him or me. And most of the time, narcissists are so obsessed and in love with themselves, they would they would never even hurt themselves. So this is a roller coaster. This is not going to be easy. I swear, for every day for nine months after I left my ex, I cried hysterically every day for nine months. I was on like 12 different medications. I had to do what I had to do to survive and to stay afloat. Because no matter how many chances you give the narcissist, the result will always be the same. It's only a matter of days, weeks, or months until they go back to who they really are. This could be compared to a roller coaster, right? A relationship with an abuser. Survivors of abuse have to remind themselves that no matter how many times they get back on, the highs, the lows, the twists and turns will always be the exact same. And a roller coaster is not a healthy environment for you to flourish or thrive. So throw away their shit, throw away the gifts, gather up anything that reminds you of them and get it out. Especially if you don't need it. Give it away, sell it. Because these things, I burned everything, even my journals during that time because they were so triggering. They're just reminders of your past chapter. So declutter and try to relearn who you are, what you want to represent yourself moving forward. This is an unlearning and this is a relearning. So we have to learn how to ground and trust ourselves. After a traumatic experience, you will still often live the experience. It's not like it just ends when you end it. Your your brain, the timekeeper in your brain, gets all conjumbled. And it believes that then is now. So this means you can actually relive everything, the smells, the taste. It can still feel like it is very much in the present. This is PTSD, my friends. And this is what we will have to work through. Otherwise, it will take over your entire life. What I've been doing is EMDR. But if you cannot do EMDR, perhaps you might not be able to do it right away because it's it's too soon. We don't want you having an entire panic attack each, each time we're trying to therapize ourselves, right? So just get into somatic therapy, trauma-focused therapy. We have to reclaim ourselves and figure out why we were attached to this person in the first place so that we can break the spell. So make a list. You've probably heard this before. We need to stay strong, especially if our abuser is still pursuing us. Write down every bad thing they've said or done and keep it handy. And every time that they email or text or call you, who emails anymore besides me, right? Read that shit. We have to convince ourselves we're doing the right thing because when we see all the sob stories or the love, emails, all this oxytocin floods into our brain and reminds us of this warm fuzziness. They are our drug and we are getting hits. 
what did um, Teal Swan made a really good video on this called intermittent reinforcement. You might want to look that up. But we have to remember that they're not real. They're an actor or an actress. And by feeling empathy for them so much, empathy, we forget to have compassion and sympathy for ourselves. So we have to start being inquisitive and self-studying, ask ourselves why we put up with this. We probably wouldn't stand for someone treating our kids or our siblings, our parents poorly. So why are we allowing anyone to put us through it? And lastly, please don't date after this. (laughs) Don't date for at least like a year. People can end up dating similar abusers over and over again. Something, I think it was called repetitive compulsion. So essentially it means trying to fix the trauma of our past with the present. And if you suffered from abuse, you will attract narcissists and try to change them. Or you may end up just being with someone who's emotionally unavailable and toxic because it feels familiar. So it is crucial. It's not even an option. We must work through our pain before launching into another relationship because we will just end up hurt again. If you feel you need to fix another partner, you have to ask yourself why that is. So figure that out. Sort out a game plan with a vision of what you want to do and be, not what they wanted you to do and be. And reclaim all those things that they stole away from you. When we have healed, I'm still healing. I'm not going to say I'm fully healed. It still is, it hurts some days. I'm not going to lie. I'm in a very happy, healthy relationship right now. But there are some days, especially if I have a dream about my ex, that he's on my mind all day and I feel so sad. And that's like, what, 2017? I'm bad with math, but it's like five years later. But I have a better idea of what I really need and who I should and should not be letting into my life. And you will too. Eventually, one day, we'll be ready to find someone who truly deserves us. But for right now, we have to focus on us. So best of luck to all of you incredible survivors. And now I'm going to get into our listener question of the week. Sent a listener question on can we hurt someone and still love them? And can we love someone and still hurt them? And I want to say because of the content and the nature of this episode, if someone abuses you, no, they don't love you. If you abuse someone, no, you don't love them. So this does not apply and this does not pertain to domestic violence or abuse, okay? And yes, people are just treating us the way that they think they deserve to be treated or the way that they were taught to be treated. And maybe that's abusive, but we don't have to put up with that. We, we don't want any part in that. So love hurts is such a popular belief, right? While simultaneously, love is the absolute emotion of connectedness and union. And everyone wants to be loved, but can we actually handle love? Can love even exist without pain? 
If someone we love gets hurt or feels upset, our natural response is to comfort them and provide them with an essential care. They need to make sure everything's all right again. But what about when we are the ones that are susceptible for their pain, right? Somehow it's in the closest and most intimate relationship with lovers, family members, and close friends that the most pain is inflicted on both sides. So why do we hurt the ones we love the most? Yes, I believe we hurt the ones we love the most. I believe you can love someone and hurt them. Just think about it. I love my mom. I've hurt my mom, right? I love my boyfriend. I for sure have hurt my boyfriend, even though he denies it. (laughs) And even if we love ourselves, sometimes we hurt ourselves. But it's not purposefully, right? And it's not deliberately and daily and consistently. But it happens. The ones that we know better and love the most, we are more likely to be aggressive with. And regardless of whether it is direct or indirect aggression, the fact is that we all hurt the ones we love the most. Most of the time, I want to say it's unintentional, but sometimes it's intentional. There's that direct aggression, mostly exerted towards significant others or siblings. And then we have non-direct aggression or indirect, which we will probably have more towards our friends. Like, I don't know, hurting someone through something or someone else, like spreading rumors destroying property. I would not suggest doing this. Gossiping. For me, I've learned passive aggression as my go-to. Ignoring, withdrawal, stonewalling, silent treatment. Thanks, mom. She taught me these. (laughs) But why? Why do we hurt the ones we love the most? We hurt others to hurt ourselves. It's like, for me, this one is so true. I made this list and I'm reading from it. The self-punishment, the self-sabotage. When we hurt someone who's close to us, we hurt ourselves. Because guilt, regret, and shame can torment us long after the hurt is done. But why? Why would we do this? This tendency is founded on core beliefs of inadequacy. When you believe you are actually unworthy of love, undeserving to be happy and lovable, or that you're bound to ruin anything that's good for you, preaching to the choir, right? It's likely you will end up acting in ways to confirm these core beliefs that you really can't be happy or don't deserve love. And this process is often not conscious, but it can be once you realize that this is the deep reason you're acting like this. So you hurt the other in order to sabotage yourself and your happiness or because you need to punish yourself. And in such a case, you are likely self-destructive in more areas of your life, not just your relationships. So if you think you're hurting like these acts towards loved ones is actually self-sabotage or punishment to yourself. Once you ask yourself, what do you deserve punishment for? And what do you need in order to feel worthy of love and happiness? What would help you heal? Another one is to gain control as protection or reciprocation. 
especially in intimate relationships, we may hurt the other before they hurt us first so that we have the upper hand and control. And I found this to be relevant in my present relationship because I've always dated people who were super controlling. So now it's like the shoes on the other foot. Now I have the control. It's an attempt to protect ourselves before we're at the mercy of someone else. Self-preservation. And all forms of betrayal and hurting others have a common fundamental motivation to gain a, a momentary feeling of empowerment from the adrenaline rush or whatever, whether we violate deeper values like respecting boundaries or caring about the emotional well-being of our loved one. And alternatively, we may hurt the other because they hurt us first so that we can regain our sense of power by reciprocating the hurt and get even through retaliation. (laughs) Also, don't suggest this. And obviously, going back to the topic of this week's conversation, if any of the above that I just stated become an established dynamic in your relationship, the relationship is probably toxic because such patterns that I listed are the backbones of abuse. So we have to stop this, right? Because it's too much. It's overwhelming. It's not how relationships should be, even though we've probably been taught that's how relationships are. So if you recognize this in yourself, I want you to think about why you have the need to control your partner in the first place and what you are protecting, quote unquote, protecting yourself from. And we must reflect on the consequences of this behavior and ask ourselves, how can we find common ground in order to solve our differences peacefully without inflicting harm on each other? We also have this trust and safety paradox, right? The more intimacy, love, and trust that's developed between two people, the more freedom we feel to just be ourselves and and not censor our words and our actions. So we might feel inclined to behave and speak openly and authentically, which is great. We want to feel safe enough to feel feel our feelings and be ourselves fully. However, sometimes this lack of inhibitions and boundaries makes it easier to unintentionally hurt the other person. Feeling safe means trusting that the other person will accept us, even if we dare to be ourselves. And this is, of course, positive and a reflection of true intimacy, but also tricky. It's easy to lose control and overstep the boundaries of the other because we just know they're always going to be there and put up with us. So it might be helpful to have an open conversation and discussion with the other person to better conceptualize each other's boundaries to ensure that any harm's minimized. So we can work towards positive outcomes to strengthen our connections and and make us feel and remind us that we're a team, which is a great foundation for our relationships. Also attachment style, we learn to love in familiar ways most unconsciously, we we strive to reenact our childhood experiences of what love is and how it's expressed. So I'd advise you to try to figure that out. How were you loved 
And does that have an impact on how you love? Intimacy is so scary. (laughs) It means emotionally approaching another individual and even merging with them in a way. And it can happen that you may unwillingly hurt the other when the emotional distance between you seems a little bit too close for your liking. It's, It's an unconscious way for us to assert our own space and independence by pushing the other person away. I do this. It's so important to learn to communicate our thoughts and our feelings and and the relationship and intimacy in more effective ways before any serious damage is done. And sometimes when we get so comfortable with someone, we can test the boundaries and see how far we can go before they draw the line. Our behavior is, is shaped not only by our thoughts and our feelings, but by the boundaries that others set for us. And boundaries... I have my own issues with these, but I'm learning, I'm practicing. They increase our sense of safety and bring structure and also show us that the other person cares enough about the relationship in order to be able to express their limits and enforce them and respect ours, right? And lastly, I'll wrap this up because this could be like another 30 minutes in its own. There's so many different reasons, but I really don't think it matters if the reason is idealization, high expectations, displacement, more time together, right? It doesn't matter what the reasons are. We shouldn't make excuses or rationalize other people's behaviors if they're constantly hurting us. There has to be a point where we choose ourselves and we say enough is enough, man. Like until you get help and are self-aware enough to to heal, like sometimes we have to say, I'm not willing to put up with this shit. I'm not a human punching bag. But at the same time, no one's perfect and hurting the ones that are closer to us is something that happens naturally for so many different reasons. And it's important to become more mindful and conscious of the ways that we might hurt the ones we love and the subsequent reasons behind our behavior. This is why I love psychology so much, psych nerd. This can bring great positive outcomes to our relationships and knowing when to draw the line. As always, awareness is the first and the absolute necessary step towards effective, long-lasting, and positive change. So ideally, a great focus could be to understand ourselves to such an extent that allows for minimizing both intentional and unintentional damage to the ones that are closest in our lives and in our heart. And if someone is hurting you consistently and constantly and not changing and things aren't getting better, you're not a team, you're not able to communicate honestly and set boundaries with them, then it's time to walk away. But can we fuck up? Can we make mistakes? Yes, we're all flawed. We're all imperfect. And I think we all deserve a second chance. Unless, of course, someone has violated you, such as abuse or assault, that does not apply here. So this was a really loaded episode. I love these deep conversations and I love when you send me messages. It literally makes my whole day. Mm, You guys light me up. So I'm so happy that I could touch even one person. I've been there. I've been in your shoes. And if I could do it, so could you. 
I know so much easier said than done, but I believe in you. We could do hard things. We just have to take the first step and trust that we are strong because you are strong. You're so fucking strong. So thank you so much for listening. Please send me a message if you resonated with this in any way, shape, or form. Please follow me on Insta. I'd love to connect with you. You can like, rate, subscribe, and share. And I hope you have a sexy day.